joy to be here once again. Uh, Steve and Cami have been friends of ours for a very long time. Uh, they were ministering at a Foursquare church. We were ministering at a Foursquare church in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and we kind of met, and, and we've, we've both been launched into ministry, and we've all seen many things done for Jesus Christ around the world. So it is great to be here once again, and we just greet you, Steve and Cami. We know that you're in San Diego, and we just pray that you get all the sunshine because we've got rain up here. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, just before we get started, I just thought, you know, everybody on this earth wants to have a purpose and meaning. And one of the questions we often get when we are evangelizing is, what is the meaning of life? So I thought I would give you the meaning of life within one minute so that you'll have the answer and, you can, and you'll know and you can tell everybody else. And that is, when God created man, he said to man, I will give you 20 years to live. And during that time, you can eat, you can sleep, you can play, and you can do nothing. Then he created the cow. He gave the cow 40 years, and he said to the cow, go into the field, eat grass all day, and make milk for man. Then he created the monkey, and he said to the monkey, you do monkey tricks, and you, do, you have lots of fun. And he gave him 10 years. Then he created the dog, and he said, you're going to be man's protector, and I'll give you 10 years. And, when, and then the, when the man saw this, he said to God, he said, 20 years? That's not really long enough for me. I'll tell you what. Give me the cows 40 years. Give me the dogs 10 years. Give me the monkeys 10 years, and then we'll have 80 years. And so God said, Okay, you got it. So that is why man, for the first 20 years of his life, he does nothing but eat, sleep, and play. And then for the next 40 years of his life, we slave in the hot sun to support our families. Then for the next 10 years after that, we do monkey tricks for our grandkids. And then for the last 10 years of our life, we sit out on the porch and bark at everyone who goes by. <laughs> Now you know the meaning of life. Hallelujah. <laughs> I want to share something that I think is, goes right along with Steve's journey, and that is how do we live a life where we are close to God? To really know God in a very intimate and personal way, which really becomes the foundation for all of our life. It's the foundation of faith. When you really know God, you have strong faith. All too often when we come to God in our prayer life, we come to God with an agenda. We come with our wants or our needs or our dreams or our troubles rather than coming to God actually just to meet Him. What a different way of praying. The Bible says in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. So notice that everything you will ever need or ever want comes after we're seeking him. So if we put seeking him first, then everything we'll ever need, he'll give to us automatically. 
We don't even have to ask him for it. He'll just give it to us. It's a wonderful thing. So what does it mean to actually seek God first in our prayer life? Well, in Psalm 37.4, wonderful verse, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. There it is again. First you delight, then he gives you your desires. Isn't that a beautiful word, delight? Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> what other God is there who uses such language when calling people to himself? All of the gods are based on fear on planet Earth. But God calls us to delight in him. Of all the words that he could have chose, when we come to God, he said, I want you to come and delight in me. In Solomon 6.3 it says, I belong to my beloved and he belongs to me. We have no problem believing that we belong to God. But how many of us actually believe that God belongs to us? Wow. That's, now that's a face-to-face -face relationship delighting in each other. Let me ask you, is this the kind of God that you know? Is this the kind of experience you have with God the Father when you enter into prayer? <clears throat> is the word delight the word that comes to your mind when you think of prayer? Or do you have a different image of God? Because however we see God, that is exactly how we're going to approach him. And that is then going to determine what we are going to receive from God. Knowing who God really is, is the first requirement of getting close to God. I see that clock in the back. What does that mean, 6.56? Does that mean how much time I have left or how much time I've been preaching? Oh, and that's what, oh, it's 6.56. So it doesn't mean anything. Awesome. I'm free. <laughs> I don't even have to look at the clock. <laughs> so often, everybody's saying, yes, it means that's how much time you have left. <laughs> so often we have a problem experiencing closeness with God because we think that our acceptability is dependent upon our performance or our behavior or our moral living, or how good we have been. And that is where we make our mistake. Because what you do or what you don't do has nothing to do with how acceptable or unacceptable you are to God. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully. Nothing you could do before you were saved, could have made you acceptable to God. You had to be born again. You, it was only the blood of Jesus Christ that made you and me acceptable to the Father. Nothing we did. 
That's why Ephesians 2.13 says, For now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Not because you were pretty good at not sinning. Not because maybe you became a better person. But only the blood of Jesus Christ is what has brought us near to the Father. That means that God himself brought us to him. We didn't bring ourselves to him. Which means God wanted us. Wow. Turn to your neighbor or somebody around you and say, God wants me. You need to say to yourself that to yourself a lot. And how do we come to God? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Not by anything we did or didn't do. But what happens is once we come to Christ, once we get born again and he accepts us, then we enter into our normal Christian life and we go back to the law thinking that now that I'm saved, I've got to live a good life to make myself acceptable. And we try to clean up ourselves. We try to do what is right. We try to live that righteous life. And we know we're supposed to live a good life. We know we're supposed to be saved. But that is not the goal of being born again. That's not why God saved you. We stop believing that the blood of Jesus Christ is what makes us acceptable to God. And for the rest of our lives, it will always and only be the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us acceptable to God. Your whole life, it will never change. That's the way you came to Christ, and that's the way it will be to the end of your days. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. It says in Philippians 3, 9, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness. So there are two kinds of righteousness. There's my righteousness, and then there is God's righteousness. My righteousness is if I do such and such a thing, then I will be acceptable. So if I take out the rubbish and bring home the bacon, my wife will like me. You see, I'm doing certain things, and then I become acceptable. That's how human wor love works, but God's love doesn't work that way. God's righteousness is not a matter of if I do this and if I do that, then I'm accepted. But God's righteousness is if I believe in Jesus Christ, I become righteous. So I don't want to be found in my own righteousness, which is from the law. In other words, if the Jews kept the law, they would be acceptable to God. Same with us. We often think that if I do certain things right, then I become more acceptable. And if I do things wrong, well, I don't know if I want to go to church because I really messed up today and I don't know if I feel comfortable. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, not by works, not by your performance, not by doing good, but by faith. And then 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So, as Martin Luther said, God 
uh, uh, Jesus took all of our wretchedness, and then he gave us all of his righteousness. Jesus takes all of our negativity, and he gives us all of his positivity. It's not my righteousness. It's always his righteousness. And it will forever be his righteousness. Even when we get to heaven, it will still be his righteousness. He makes us acceptable, not us. Even if I live a perfect life for eternity, that won't make us acceptable to the Father. It will still be the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, I know that everybody in this room, as you're reading the Bible through the year, and I know that all of you read the Bible through the year, year every year, right? You're, you're, really, you're the spiritual ones. You're on Wednesday night. Hallelujah. Yes, I read the Bible through once a year. Well, you all come to the, to the book of Leviticus. That's probably your favorite book. How did you? When I come to Leviticus, I speed read. Whoop! Right through it. Whoop! Sacrifice, sacrifice, blood, sacrifice, blood, killing. It's all over the pages. And, I mean, there's just sacrifices everywhere, you know. And it's, oh, I've got to sacrifice for this, and i got to get a sacrifice for that. Well, in, 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 under the Jewish law, that when uh, the Jewish people sinned, once a week or once a month or once a year, they would bring an animal to the priest. could be a dove. could be a goat. could be an ox, depending on how guilty they felt, you know. The bigger the sin, the bigger the sacrifice, you know. Oh, this one's bringing an ox. He had a bad year, you know. So they bring, they bring the lambs, you know, or the sheep. They're bringing them to the priest. And they had to bring an animal that didn't have any defects. Okay. So they bring the animal, and then the priest takes the animal, right? And the animal now is going to be sacrificed for that person's sin that they did that year. So they bring the animal, and then the priest looks at the animal, and he checks it over to make sure it has no defects, it doesn't have a blind eye, it doesn't have a split hoof, or doesn't have any disease on it. And when the priest looks at the animal and sees that the animal is perfect and is acceptable, then the priest takes the animal, he sacrifices it, and when he does, then he's satisfied, God is satisfied, and this man's sins are covered for all the sins he committed for that past year, they're forgiven and they're covered. Now, <clears throat> you know what's amazing about that when you read through the book of Leviticus? That when that man brought this animal to the priest to, for his sacrifice for his sins, the priest never looked at the man to see if he was acceptable. He only looked at the animal to see if the animal was acceptable. So when we come to the Father, he doesn't look at us, the sinner. He looks at Christ, the sacrifice, to see if we are acceptable. Isn't that awesome? You see, it's not what you do or don't do that makes you acceptable to the Father. It's what Jesus did that makes us acceptable to the Father. Hallelujah. Whew, that, that is good news. <laughs> And so it says in Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father who 
has qualified us. The Father qualified me, not me. Nothing I did or didn't do didn't qualify me. I didn't pass some exam. Oh, I got a spiritual B plus, hallelujah. <laughs> no, it wasn't us. The Father himself qualified us to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. So God made me acceptable so he could give me an entire inheritance. Wow. So you see, God qualified you through the blood of Jesus. We do not have to qualify ourselves because of how much we sin or how much we don't sin. We are fit to receive, listen to this, we are fit to receive all the blessings of God only by faith through the blood of Jesus Christ. I see so often we find it hard to receive from God because of things we have done or things we have not done. And so because of that, we feel what? Disqualified. We feel unfit or maybe ashamed. We feel like we don't deserve the faithfulness that we sang about or the goodness or the mercy, or the compassion of God because of what we did. And you're right. We don't deserve anything from God. We do deserve judgment. Absolutely right. But God, but mercy doesn't give you what you deserve. Wow. And God had mercy on us, and he gave Jesus what we deserve. Jesus paid the price. Jesus was punished for my sin. And when Jesus paid the price, like that animal, he's, his sacrifice was acceptable to the Father, and so the Father forgave us. So we will never be deserving. You will never be good enough. You will never be mature enough as a believer. You will never be, you know, uh, reach some kind of a spiritual plane like in Hinduism where you reach nirvana the highest level and then you become one with the universe no no we don't have to reach a spiritual plane because Christ is our spiritual plane he has met it for us hallelujah so you see, I don't come to God on how good I have been or I, on my ability. I, I'm a disciplined person. And because, I'm, because I read the Bible today and because I prayed today, I feel good about myself. That doesn't make you any more acceptable to God. And that is why, and the only way we can, if you believe that Christ is our acceptability, that's the beginning of having an intimate relationship with God. I can't tell you how many times, like my wife and I, we've, we've been driving the church, you know, all over the world. And, you know, sometimes on the way to church, things don't go well. Everything goes wrong, and before you know it, there's tension in the car. And we have what is called... 
uh, expressive communication between each other. Isn't that a good way of putting it? And the expressions can get quite exciting. And, and, and we're driving to church. I'm going to be preaching. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to love her. And we get to church, and of course, I feel bad. She feels bad. But we're not going to apologize, because I was right and she was wrong. Just that simple. And we're sitting there, and, you know, it's getting closer and closer to the time when i got to get up here and preach to you. And I have to turn to her and say, I'm sorry, love. And then she'll say, I'm sorry. Usually she says it first. She's more spiritual than me. She says, I'm sorry. And I was like, all right. And then I feel guilty that she said it first. And then it makes it worse. <laughs> so I'll say, I'm sorry. And so between there and here, I'm walking up here. I'm right with God. Isn't that amazing? Not because I apologized, but because I'm believing in the blood of Christ between there and here. It's my faith in what Jesus did, not in what we did. That's how you live the Christian life every day. Every day. Otherwise, you're going to live your Christian life in guilt and shame and discouragement. And you're just going to feel like you'll never be good enough. And you're right. You will never be good enough. Just settle it. You're worthless. You'll never be good enough. We are. We, we are worthless. But it's Christ who makes me worthy. You see, that's the difference. I'm not trusting in my worthiness. I'm trusting in Christ's worthiness. He is my new self-image. Hallelujah. If I'm living off my self-image, I'll sit in the back. Let someone else preach, you know. Let them take the hit. No, you see, you, you, we, have to, we have to realize that in and of ourselves, Paul, Paul the Apostle Paul, the great apostle, even he said, in my members dwelleth no good thing. Amen. See, in and of ourselves, we don't have anything. But in Christ, I suddenly have everything. So the Christian, that's why we live by faith and not by sight. I have faith in what Christ is, not faith in who I am. When I have an expectation of myself that I don't meet, I can either get discouraged and feel like a failure, or I can put my faith back in Christ and live in victory. That's my choice. <clears throat> Remember when the Israelites put the blood on the doorposts of their uh, doors when the death angel was coming in to uh, kill the firstborn of Egypt. Remember that story? Wednesday night, people, I'm sure you know it all. You probably have the Bible memorized. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the death angel was coming in, and this was the final plague that God was sending to Egypt so, because they hadn't let the Israelites go free. And so Moses told all of the Israelites, put the blood on the doorpost 
so that when the angel comes, the angel will pass over your house and nobody in your house will die. Now, when you put the blood on the doorpost, it's on the outside of the house. That blood wasn't for the Israelites. The blood was so that God could see the blood. Isn't that amazing? They didn't have to see it. And when the death angel came by, he didn't open the door to see if the people inside were acceptable. Ah, you called your wife a name today. Poof, you're gone. He didn't do that. Don't you think that all those people inside their houses, that some of them sinned on that day? Yeah. I'm sure there was lots of sinners inside of it. He never looked inside it. He never looked at one of those people. He only looked at the blood. And that's what God says. When I see the blood, I will pass over. Hallelujah. Wow. This is the end of low self-esteem. This is the end of poor self-concept. Wow. Because it's not about me. It's about him. Did you notice that all the worship songs were about him? What are they trying to do? They're trying to get us to focus on him and not about us. Your worship songs are not about you. Worship songs that really work are about him. Listen to this in Hebrews 10.10. 10. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. One sacrifice Jesus made. He doesn't, he, he doesn't have to keep making a sacrifice every year to get us clean. One sacrifice, we're clean forever. For by one offering, listen to this. You're not going to believe it. It's so awesome. For by one offering, Jesus has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, who is that? Who is it? It's me. We got one person who says it's me. You, you, it's you? Okay, she's got it. Oh, there, it's you. It's you. Anyone else? Oh, in the back. Oh, okay, here goes the hands. If you're not going to put your hand up, it's not for you then. You're on your own. You know, I don't know how you're going to get into heaven, but you're stuck. Without this, you're not getting into heaven. Without the blood, you can't get into heaven. Without faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, you can't get into heaven. Because Christianity is not about what we do. It's all about what Jesus Christ has done. That's where our faith is. There it is again. We are sanctified and perfected. That word perfected means matured. It doesn't mean that you're perfect and you're never going to sin again because we all know that that's not happening. It means you're mature by the offering of Jesus, not by your performance. It's the Lamb's offering that has made us acceptable to God. So whether I have a good day or whether I have a bad day, that's not how I approach God in my prayer life. But it will only and always be through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the question is, when were we brought near to God? We were brought near to God when we were sinners, corrupt, evil, perverse, wicked, 
that was our condition. And then he brought us near to him when we put our blood in him. Not when you got your act together. We came to Christ because we couldn't get our act together. We needed him. He brought us near to him when we were at our worst. Now listen to Ephesians 2.4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved. Not by works, not by our performance, not by our moral behavior. Because he loves us. Do you know why God loves us? The Bible doesn't tell you why God loves us. Isn't that amazing? He just loves us. It's because he decided to love us. He chose to love us. It's all from him. You see, when I was born, I was born into my family, and they were called Chesneys. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't decide to be born. My parents decided to choose me. Did they not? So I was born into the family, and I was a Chesney. So I kind of looked like them, and I kind of acted like them. I'm a Chesney. Now, when I messed up, I was still a Chesney. I was still part of the family. But when I messed up, sometimes it put a distance between me and my parents. Isn't that true? But I was still part of the family. So you see, we didn't do anything. God chose us, and he decided to save us. We didn't even, we didn't choose him. We were probably cursing him and blaspheming him and running from him, rebelling from him. And yet he came after us anyway. See, he chose us. So now we're born again. We're in the family of God and we mess up. And yeah, when we mess up, it puts distance between us and Jesus, doesn't it? It puts, we break fellowship. But you're still part of the family. You're still totally acceptable. And that's the beautiful thing. God wants you. He chose you when you didn't even want yourself. God loves you. And he brought us near to him by the blood. Once you believe this, then you can begin to delight in God. Because you realize that he's for us. He's on our side. And that it doesn't mean I have to be perfect because Christ is my perfection. This is the new covenant that Christ comes. It says in 1 John 4, 17 through 19, <clears throat> love, has, love has been perfected among us in this. How does love get perfected in us? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Wow. How do you get boldness in the day of judgment? By believing you are acceptable. That's the only way we're going to be able to approach God, to believe that we are acceptable. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because love has torment. But he who fears has been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Imagine having no fear of being judged by God. 
wow. That's a wonderful relationship, knowing that we are accepted, knowing that my relationship is not based on my performance, but on Jesus Christ. One of the things I want you to hear now as we start coming to the end is that being right with God is a gift. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to do anything to be right with God. It's not much how, how much we earn it or we work for it or we struggle for it. Living a holy life doesn't make us acceptable to God. It's the law. Our acceptability only comes through Christ. Romans 5.17 says, For the sin of the one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. So when Adam sinned, he then got a sin nature, and so every person that was born from Adam received the sin nature. So all of us, we were born into sin. We didn't choose it. We didn't make that happen. It wasn't our fault. It was Adam and Eve's fault. But we were born into sin. That was our condition at that point. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will triumph over sin and death through the one man. So we can overcome sin and death when we believe that Jesus becomes our acceptability in our life. <clears throat> it says in Romans 3.20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law or by your performance, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. In other words, what Paul is saying is that when we try to live the Christian life and do what is right, we're putting our confidence in how much we can do what is right. And what happens is the more you try to do what is right, the more you fail. Because the law, the knowledge of the law, causes sin to come to the surface. If when you, if you, how many of you have children or had children? Yes. Praise God. I'll pray for you. So when you have children, right, and you told your kids, don't do that, what did they do? They did it. Don't eat those cookies I made there for after dinner. Yeah, 10 minutes later, they're in there. Right? You tell people don't, they do. Right? Don't. You see the speed limit, 45. Yeah, right. Right? It's the, it's the sin nature in us. The law causes you to sin more. So the more you try to base your relationship by doing what is right, the worse you're going to get. And then you're going to realize it doesn't work. No matter, no matter how many times I try to make New Year resolutions, I gave up on those decades ago. Forget it. Not even bother. Don't even think about it because you can't make a news resolution without breaking it three days later. It just, it's impossible. I'm never going to diet January 1st. Not going to happen. I'll wait till maybe May 1st to try that. So you see, the law gives you the knowledge of sin. That's why uh, religious people you know, they try to have a relationship with God through religion by doing certain things. They're just always aware of doing wrong. And they live a life of guilt. And so God 
delivers us from the law by us having faith in Christ. And if I have faith in Christ, I'm no longer trusting in my good works. I'm trusting in the good works of Jesus to do that. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law, apart from our good works in that. And so that is how we do it. Now, this is an amazing thing. Listen to what this says. You, you probably have all heard this verse. It says, because as he is, so are we in this world. Because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Now, how many of you can put up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I'm just like Jesus. I thought so. Not a single one in here. You know why? You, you haven't put your hand up? Because you don't believe it. We don't believe that verse in the Bible. We just cut it out. Just cut it out of your Bible because you don't believe it anyway. Isn't that incredible? That We read that and it's, a, it's, it's, it's too much. For me to think that as he is, so are we. But let me show you how that is true. God revealed it to me. It was like so exciting. And that is, when we become a Christian, we get connected to Jesus. We are one spirit, are we not? We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And you have the, the analogy of the vine and the branch. He is the, he's the vine, and we're the branches. And the branch is connected to the vine. Now, uh, if you've ever seen, if any of you have grapevines, you, you see the branches and you see the vine. The branch never produces anything of itself. All the life from the vine flows into the branch, and only what the vine provides in the branch is what the branch has in order to produce. So the grapes you see on a vine weren't produced by the branch. They were produced by the vine. Isn't that true? Even though the branch gets all the credit because that's what looks like is doing it all. So it is with you. You're the branch. Christ is the vine. <clears throat> but everything of Christ flows into you, the branch. For as he is, so are you. Do you get it? As he is, it, the vine... Everything in the vine flows into you, so are you. So that's how that verse is a reality. For as he is, so are you, because everything of him is flowing in me and through me, and that's what produces the fruit on planet Earth of people getting born again. God is flowing through you, and guess what? God is giving you the credit for all that Jesus is doing. Wow. For as he is, so are you. He shares all of himself in you and flows through you. That's why the righteousness of Christ becomes your righteousness. As far as God is concerned, you are just as righteous as Jesus Christ is. Now that is what means you can have an intimate relationship with God. You're just as acceptable. But you see, what I'm teaching tonight is requires you to believe it. The truth I'm sharing with you is the gospel. This is the gospel that I'm sharing with you. And if you can believe what I'm saying, 
what the Word is saying, then you can live an intimate, close relationship with God. But you'll never be close to God if you think you're unacceptable. It's not possible, is it? It's just not possible. You're going to avoid prayer. You're going to avoid reading the Word. You're going to avoid being close to Him because you're afraid because of what we did. And yet it's not what we do. Galatians 2.20, I'm sure many of you have this memorized. I have been crucified with Christ. Here it is. Oh, this is good news. It is no longer I who live, but Christ liveth in me. For as he is, so are we. It is no longer I, but it is Christ living in me. Now, if it's no longer I, but it's Christ living in me, why do I have a low self-esteem? Why would I have a poor self-image? Do you think Jesus is walking around heaven thinking, oh, no, I'm such a terrible person? No, he's not thinking that at all. <clears throat> For as he is, so are we. I no longer live. Now, if you don't believe this, then as far as you're concerned, you are very much alive. And if you think you're still very much alive, you're going to see yourself the same way you saw yourself before you were a Christian. So if you were a depressive personality before you were saved, then you're going to be a depressive personality after you got saved. Why? Because you don't believe that you died and now Christ is your new life. If you were an angry person before you got saved, you're going to be an angry person after you got saved because you don't believe the gospel. <clears throat> Faith in the Word makes the Word an experiential reality. That's why when we read the Bible, there's such a difference between what we read in the Bible and what we experience in our life. Anybody ever feel that way? How can I ever measure up. How could anybody live the Sermon on the Mount? Really? Turn the other cheek? Yeah, right. I'll turn the other cheek. I'll turn the other cheek this way. <laughs> I turned the cheek. I mean, we can't even drive down the road without making a comment about the person in front of us. You see? Why? Because we see ourselves as we were and not as we are in Christ Jesus. Let me finish with this. Uh, when, uh, when I remember when, when our firstborn uh, was about one and a half, two years old, and I would walk home from church. It's when we lived in Thousand Oaks, California, over here. And I'd come in, he would, he would be outside, and he would see me. And when he saw me, he would come running down the driveway with his arms wide open going, Daddy, Daddy! And I'd open my arms, and I'd go, Joshua, Joshua! And we'd run together, and I'd pick him up, and we'd hug each other. I mean, if that doesn't make a father feel like a million dollars, I don't know what does. But you see, there was nothing between us. It was just this pure, here's the word, delight. 
He delighted in his father, and I delighted in my son. That is the relationship the father wants with each one of us. And we can have it as we believe that he has made us acceptable. Amen. Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Father, I pray that you will take this truth, this gospel that you have given to us and reveal it to our hearts that we will trust in the blood of Jesus Christ only. Amen. Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Father, I pray that you will long thinking about ourselves pass away. No matter what names we've been called in our life, no matter what people have said about us, no matter what we have done, that we would just allow it to be, to be thrown behind your back and see that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far our sins are from you. That you've taken our sins and you've thrown them into the depths of the ocean and you forget them. You do not remember any of our sins, even the sins we committed five hours ago. They're gone in the blood of Jesus Christ. We just ask this in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Just before we end, I'd like us to sing. Just join me in this song. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. <clears throat> yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Amen.